Welcome to our podcast. I'm Pastor Mark Voss. Do you value the ability to see? In a recent survey, 77% of Americans indicated that of their five senses, the one that they would most dread losing was the ability to see. It's hard for a sighted person to imagine navigating life without the ability to see. And it's impossible for sinners to navigate the way to heaven without seeing Jesus as Savior. And so for that reason, the risen Savior appeared to his disciples long ago, and he still appears to us today in word and sacrament. Our sermon today is based on John 21, verses 1 through 14. Our message is entitled, This is How He Showed Himself. May God bless you as you hear and take to heart the truths of his holy word. The words of our sermon text, John chapter 21, verses 1 through 14. After this, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias. This is how he showed himself. Simon Peter, Thomas, called the twin, Nathaniel from Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples were together. Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. They replied, we'll go with you. They went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Early in the morning, Jesus was standing on the shore, but the disciples did not know it was Jesus. Jesus called to them, boys, don't you have any fish? No, they answered. He told them, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you'll find some. So they cast the net out. Then they were not able to haul it in because of the large number of fish. The disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, It is the Lord. When Simon Peter heard, It is the Lord, he tied his outer garment around him, for he had taken it off, and jumped into the sea. But the other disciples came in the little boat, dragging the net full of fish, for they were not far from shore, about 100 yards. When they stepped out on land, they saw some bread and a charcoal fire with fish on it. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish you just caught. So Simon Peter climbed aboard and hauled the net to land, full of large fish, 153 of them. Yet even with so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come, eat breakfast. None of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? Because they knew it was the Lord. Jesus came took the bread and gave it to them, and also the fish. This was now the third time Jesus appeared to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. Our sin forgiving, alleluia. Jesus is living, alleluia. In his name, dear friends. It was, as they say, deja vu all over again. Remember how Jesus, at the very start of his earthly public ministry in Luke chapter 5, called his first disciples? It happened after a, a long night of fishing in which these professional fishermen had caught nothing. So Jesus issued a challenge to them. He said, put out into deep water and let down your net for a catch. Advice that made absolutely no good fishing sense at all. 
but they followed it. Remember the result? They caught so many fish that their nets began to break. They caught so many fish that their two boats began to sink in the water. So many fish. And why did Jesus provide that miraculous catch of fish? Because he wanted to have an interaction with Peter, James, and John. He wanted to call them to follow him, to be his disciples. From now on, he told them, you will be fishers of men. So now fast forward. About three years later, it's at the very end of Jesus' public ministry. It's shortly after his glorious resurrection from the dead. It's the same lake, the Sea of Galilee, here referred to in our text by its Roman name, the Sea of Tiberias. They're the same guys. Peter, James, and John are there, gathered with four of the other disciples. Same situation. Early that morning, after fishing all night and getting blanked, Someone that they can't quite make out calls to them from the shore, Boys, don't you have any fish? No, they answered. Nothing. They had nothing to show for a long night's work. Why was that? Well, I suppose it's possible that there just weren't fish to be had that night, but isn't it also possible that the very one who kept them temporarily from recognizing him had kept them from catching any fish because he wanted to have an interaction with them? But what was his purpose? Why did Jesus want to have this post-Easter interaction with those disciples? I believe that that question is answered in the very first verse of this morning's text. Speaking of Jesus, John writes, this is how he showed himself. That is the beating heart of our Christian Easter joy, right? The fact that Jesus has showed himself, risen from the dead, alive and well, living in heaven to bless us, waiting to bring us home to glory with him. Let's think about how the risen Savior showed himself to his disciples, and let's think about how he continues to show himself to us to this very day. Boys, haven't you any fish? Asking that question to a dejected group of professional fishermen is kind of like asking a major league baseball player five games into the new season who's still looking for his first hit after 20 at-bats. Don't you have any hits yet? Jesus knew the answer, of course. No, Jesus, we don't have anything. Here's what I'd ask you to think about this morning. What struggles are you facing in life right now? And what questions might be asked of you in light of those struggles? Family strife going on right now? Don't you have any peace? Some looming issue that needs to be solved, but you have absolutely no good idea how to take care of it? Don't you have any solutions? Some sin that keeps dogging you and, and tempting you? 
Don't you have any self-control to overcome it? Some nagging worry that just keeps squeezing you, suffocating you in life? Don't you have any trust? I may not know exactly what things you're struggling with in your personal life right now, but there is one thing that none of us have that leaves us all in the same boat with those skunked disciples. There is one area of life where we are all completely blank, no matter how hard we may try. Haven't you any righteousness? No, Lord, we answer. I mean, we went out fishing. We were going to do your will. We were fishing to do your will. This time, we were determined we were going to get it right. In fact, we've set sail on a daily basis, Lord. We've dropped our net into the sea of life, hoping to pull up a net full of perfect fish, perfect words, and perfect attitudes, and perfect deeds done in love. But, Lord, we haven't any fish. In and of ourselves, we haven't any righteousness. We're sinners, Lord, and we're sunk. This is how he showed himself. You know, I said at the beginning of the sermon that this account after Easter is so strikingly similar to what happened at the miraculous catch of fish that happened at the very start of Jesus' public ministry. But there is one detail that could not be any more different. You know what it is? Think back to that that account early in in Luke chapter 5. The disciples had this miraculous catch of fish. Do you remember Simon Peter's response? The Bible says he, he threw himself at Jesus' knees and he said to him, Go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. Well, not this time. This time, Jesus grants a miraculous catch of fish, and Peter, when John helps him realize that's Jesus, he jumps into the water and starts swimming for shore. It's the Lord. He wants to have an interaction with Jesus. So what changed? It wasn't a sinfulness. I mean, if anything, Peter might have had more reason to avoid Jesus, especially given the fact that he had flat out denied even knowing Jesus three separate times the night before Jesus died. So what changed? I've got to believe it's that Peter, what he now knows about Jesus, he understood fully that Jesus had come to die for sinners, to take away his sins and my sins and the sins of the world. And and Peter now understood that Jesus' resurrection was proof positive that his mission was accomplished. Peter knows my sins are all forgiven. I don't need to run away from Jesus. I want to run to him and embrace him. He's my living Lord and Savior. This is how Jesus showed himself to Peter and the other six disciples that morning. This is how he shows himself to you this morning, dear Christian, as the one who rose from death and lives to love you and to bless you. This is the one who took that net full of vile sins and broken efforts and has carried them to the cross and has paid for them all in full. This is the one who comes to us to provide a net full of perfect works for you. 
in the life that he lived in your place. In this risen Savior, dear Christian, you lack absolutely nothing in life. Nothing. The perfect life that God demands that you live, Christ has lived for you. The perfect payment that God demanded for the sins that you've committed, you have in Christ. He died your death. So jump out of the boat. Don't avoid Jesus like the plague. Cast yourself into the water to be near him. Believe that through the waters of holy baptism, he drew you close to him. He washed away your sins, made you his own forevermore. Hurry to Jesus to worship him and praise him. Be eager to throw yourself into his service when you leave this place today as you go and live the life that the risen Christ has called you to live. He has shown himself to you here in the gospel as the one who has freed you to be able to do exactly that. This is how Jesus showed himself. I don't think that Jesus was primarily interested in providing a miraculous catch of fish that morning. I believe that his real goal in showing himself alive was to bring about what eventually happened when he was gathered together with those disciples on shore. 153 large fish. John mentions the very number. I think years later he's still astonished at the miraculous catch that the Lord had provided. They were blown away by this miracle from no fish all night long to a record catch just like that. But Jesus wasn't done. By the time they arrive on shore, Jesus had already had some bread and some fish on the grill. Bread and fish that presumably had just miraculously appeared. And they drag the net to shore, but miraculously, it doesn't tear at all. And graciously, Jesus then invites them to sit down so that he can serve them some breakfast. And it's then that John tells us, none of them dared ask him, who are you? Because they knew it was the Lord. This is how he showed himself. This is why he wanted to have that interaction with the disciples that morning, to show himself to them. Chase away their fear, their doubts, their confusion. To assure them with his abiding presence. They knew it was the Lord when he served them breakfast. This wasn't just some pious wish. This wasn't some figment of their imagination. This wasn't some Jesus doppelganger. Jesus was alive, standing there among them. Jesus in the flesh, risen from the dead. This is Jesus serving these fishermen who'd been out on the Sea of Galilee struggling all night long. Struggle no more, fellas. The fish you were seeking, you've got. The hunger you've worked up is satisfied in me. This is how he showed himself, by serving us, by saving us. In this risen Christ, you have a banquet of blessings 
spread out. You have an everlasting meal at heaven's banquet table. And look, Jesus doesn't ask us to bring something to contribute to the dinner. Jesus doesn't ask us to, to, to take some of the burden off of him and share in some of the cooking responsibility. He simply points us to this rich feast that he's prepared by his living and dying and rising again. And, and he looks at you with this big smile on his face and he says, hey, everything's ready. Sit down, eat, enjoy. This is my gift. This is how he shows himself. As the Savior who graciously provides, not all, only for all of life's necessities, not only with an amazing abundance of bodily blessings, I mean fridges and freezers and closets that are stuffed so full they're overflowing, but with a place at his table, a place in the Father's family, a, a place where you and I can be in his presence. A place where forgiven people like us don't have to say, go away from me, Lord, I'm sinful. But a place where we can say, I love you, Lord. Thank you for making me righteous. He spreads out these blessings for us in the gospel. Enjoying the blessings that come to us in his holy supper, the Lord's Supper, as he, he brings us the body and blood given and shed for us to make us his own. And he says, take and eat, take and drink. This is how he shows himself to us. If you had to forfeit one of your five senses, which would you be least willing to fork over? That's a question that was asked a little while back in a survey. If you had to give up one of your five senses, which one would you least like to use? 77% of Americans said, my sight. Navigating life blind poses challenges that we as sighted people can scarcely imagine. Maybe that's why the Lord uses the concept of blindness as a metaphor for how difficult it is to properly navigate life and how impossible it is to navigate your way to heaven without Jesus. Easter has the power to show us Christ. Risen, alive, blessing us. Easter replaces spiritual blindness with this heavenly sight of our risen Lord. And because it does, Easter allows us to see where we stand with God. Sinners though we are, we stand righteous in his sight thanks to all that Jesus has done for us. Easter enables us to see the path through life that is worth pursuing, a life that is lived to the glory of the one who lived and died and rose again to make us his very own, a life that is lived for Christ and in his service. Easter allows us to see that we worship a living Lord, risen from the dead, and that we can trust every single promise that he makes to us, no matter what, because he lives. Easter enables us to see the one who holds our eternal future in his nail-scarred hands. 
And it's the very Savior who made breakfast for his disciples on the shores of the Sea of Galilee in his third appearance to them alive and well. That's how Jesus shows himself to us. Believers, let's see him with the eyes of faith and let's trust him. Trust him and every promise that he makes to us. Let's be guided by the counsel and direction he gives to us here in his holy word. Let's love him with all our heart and let's serve him with all our strength. Amen. Amen.